Heavenly Father, you are great. We thank you for your, your wonderful presence this morning. We pray that you would guide us, that you would speak to us, that you would surprise us, that you would do more than we can think or imagine with our hearts and our time this morning. We pray that as we learn a little bit about prayer, that you would teach us to pray, that as you, we call out to you and we voice our requests to you, we voice our um, anything to you, that you would hear that you would respond, that you would move in only a way that you can. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Welcome to the week of prayer. It's a great opportunity, I think, every year. I love this tradition that you guys have kind of modeled here over the last couple of years to start the week out uh, with prayer. To start the year out with prayer. Start the week out with prayer, right? And, and really kind of gauge, kind of set yourself up for a really positive year. And I really pray, our prayer, and, and hopefully your prayer is too, that Whatever this year has in store for you, that this week will prepare you for it. Whatever it might be, the time that you put in this week, the time you set apart, the time you, you, you give to God, that he would give back to you in, in much um, return throughout the year. That's our prayer, and that's why we're going to spend some time talking about prayer. And the, and the topic of this uh, of this series over the next couple weeks is, is breathe. And I love that idea that, that breath is prayer. That when we breathe in and breathe out, maybe we are praying to God. And a lot of us, the only time we pray is when we can't breathe, when we need it. We feel like we're drowning. Or maybe if you have asthma, you know what it's like not to breathe, right? And so therefore you need breath, you need prayer. Well, today I want to talk to you not so much about the needing of prayer, but the power of prayer. I don't want to definitely talk to you about reliance on prayer, and that is totally important. But I want to talk to you about what prayer can do. And if prayer is breath, then maybe our breath, our prayers, have the power to blow things down, to create, to move mountains, to do the impossible. Again, it's not us but it's God's Spirit in us through prayer that allow us to do it, to pray big, big prayers. That's what I want to talk about today. I don't know about you, but have you ever thought about the level of your prayer, whether your prayer is small or whether your prayer is big or large or medium size or super size? Hopefully we learn a little bit about the power of big prayers today. And where I want to gauge most of our time today is from the scriptures, is from uh, the book of Acts, about how the early church really patterned this model of big prayer for us, this prayer not in reliance and not in last resort, but prayer was what they relied on to move, what they relied on to, to have God multiply what they were doing. If you think about the early church, it's really remarkable. You think about Jesus coming into such a kind of an obscure place, but it was kind of the highway of the world. And as he was born into that, he was born into this uh, religion that understood prayer, that understood this connection to God. In the Old Testament, you have several people calling out, praying to God, several powerful prayers all throughout the Old Testament. But then all of a sudden you have Jesus, you have God with skin on, you have a focal, focal point to our prayer. We pray to Jesus. 
Jesus is there and he intercedes for us. He, he takes our prayers and we now don't have to pray to a God who is distant from us or maybe we can't even think about. But Jesus is the best representation of God because he was man. Who here knows a man? We all know what that looks like, right? We've talked to that before. Hopefully you have. So you get an idea of how easy it is to talk to Jesus in your prayer. So Jesus has set this up and he taught his disciples how to pray, how to teach others to pray. And then ultimately, as we know the story, he died and rose again and allowed his church the power of the Holy Spirit to move forth. But framed inside of that is here I am, Jesus, God with skin on, and you pray to me. You take the prayers. I, we send the prayers to Jesus. And it's almost like allowing the early church a different level to their prayer. They stepped it up a notch. And how I know that is in the first couple chapters of Acts, you interact with this level of prayer that they have. So let me kind of set the stage. Some of you may know this. Jesus died, rose again, spent a lot of time, a few weeks with his disciples, and then he ascended into heaven. And before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples to go to Jerusalem and wait. And wait for the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of this holy breath to come and fill them. And if you know the story, some of you do. If you don't, the Spirit showed up in powerful ways, in ways that you can't even imagine. If you haven't read it, go to read the second chapter of Acts, and it will blow your mind. Think about where have I ever seen this before. It was amazing. It was different. It blew people's socks. They couldn't understand it. It had to be God. And they responded with, we will trust, put our faith in God. We will trust God. We will give God our life. And soon, this momentum started to build. And in Jerusalem, several people who were Jews began to put their faith not just in Jehovah, in Yahweh, but in Jesus Christ as their Savior. And because of that, you, you rose two particular individuals who kind of take the forefront, two guys that you've recognized their name when I share them in a moment. A guy by the name of Peter, used to be called Simon, the rock. You guys have heard of him, right? It's not Dwayne Johnson. This was the original rock, right? And then you have John. You ever heard of John? He was the one that Jesus loved, they said. It's the one that he refers. It's kind of a self-appointed term. It's kind of, not, it's kind of a little um, selfish on him to say that Jesus loved me the most. I don't think he meant that, but it was just a way for him to refer to himself in his gospel. It was the one that he was there at the crucifixion, and he said, hey, Mary, can you um, hang out with John after I'm gone? Jesus says, John, take care of my mom. So John's got this important place in Jesus' life. Those two kind of take the forefront. And as all these followers... <coughs> Excuse me. All these followers begin to interact with, with, with them in the early church. They started to do these miraculous things. And they would go to the temple and they would talk about Jesus. They would talk about who he was and the power of his and how he was God and how he came from God and how we should put our trust in him and how he died for your sins and rose and resurrected from the dead. And many people started to do that. Well, one day while they were walking into the temple, they met a man. And the man was, a, was paralyzed, he was a beggar. And he would sit outside the temple trying to get money. And he would say, hey, hey, throw me some change. Throw me some, throw me, uh, throw me some money. And, and Peter looks at him, and I think Peter just has simple compassion on him. He doesn't realize how important this event's going to be. And, he said, and Peter looks at him and says, I don't got any money. But what I do have, I'm going to give to you. Get up and walk. And it happens. 
I don't know about you if you've ever seen that before. I still believe Jesus can do miracles in our midst today. But I don't think I've ever seen someone who was paralyzed and just automatically walk. That would blow my mind. And in the early church, it blew their mind. And not just blew their mind, it blew their world. It blew their expectations. And not just the normal people, the religious elite, especially those who controlled the Jewish temple. They began to feel threatened by this particular thing because they could not control this power. They could not understand why this power would go to ordinary men. There's a great great quote in an earlier chapter 4 where they look at Peter and John and they say, what's wrong with you? You are just ordinary people, but you've been with Jesus. That's the only thing that's different between you and us. We're smart, you're dumb, but you have Jesus. And that's the only way that they could understand this, is Jesus made the difference. And that bothered them because they were the ones that crucified Jesus. They were the ones who put him to death. And they realized that as this force of people began to grow, their religion, their control felt threatened. And so we pick up this story with Peter and John being captured late in the night and jailed overnight. And overnight, the religious elite, the Sadducees, the temple leaders, gather together and say, what are we going to do with these two guys that are mixing up trouble everywhere we go? What are we going to do? They said, well, can we kill them? Well, that got us in the problem earlier when we killed Jesus, right? So maybe we shouldn't kill them. Maybe we should talk about this a little more. How about we beat them up? Maybe they'll learn that way. Well, I don't know if we'll beat them up because the, the crowd that they have converted, will they come up and they'll take over? And we were worried about that. So the next day, they bring in Peter and John, and they say, listen, listen, we don't know what to do with you. You're crazy. Here's what it is. We want you to take this very seriously. You can preach in any other name that you want, but don't preach Jesus. Stop it. No more Jesus talk. Don't say the J word. And they looked at him. And Peter, who always kind of had no problem speaking his mind, speaks his mind at this particular place and says, listen, you can't. We don't, we don't answer to you. We answer to God. And there's no way that we're going to stop preaching in the name of Jesus because it is the name of Jesus that we have been saved. The name of Jesus that we have been transformed. The name of Jesus that all these people here in Jerusalem have been changed. And why is the name of Jesus that actually healed the crippled man? So they get even more frustrated with him. I believe they get right up into his face. It says they intensely asked him one more time. They pleaded with him, Peter, John, stop talking about Jesus. Please. They realized they could not say anything more to them because they were worried about the crowd. But they said, please, no more Jesus talk. Peter says, not going to happen. Not going to happen. So then they release them back to their church, and that's where we pick up the story. Can we pick up the story now? On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them, just what I had told you. When they had heard this, they raised their voices together, and they prayed to God. They said a prayer. Now, prayer was not uncommon, but again, they're doing a different level of prayer a different kind of prayer. They're stepping it up a notch. They're not praying out of last resort. They're praying out of power. They're praying to move mountains. And this is their prayer. You can get a sense of this. It says, Sovereign Lord, all-powerful God, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You are God. You are so much more powerful than we can ever say. You created everything around us. You are top-notch, way up here. We're way down here. You got it all. We got nothing. You spoke through the Holy Spirit, this breath through your servant David, who we believe in, that you had a plan even back then, that David came, and this is what David said. Why do the nations rage against me? Why do the people 
uh, plot in vain. The kings of earth will rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed. Why do they do this? They can't even match the power of God. God's got a plan no matter what happens. And they say this, indeed, this played out just a few weeks ago. They said when Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant, Jesus, whom you anointed, they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Stop right there. What they're saying is, you are almighty. You are all-powerful. Your plan exists. We understand that. And now, maybe for the first time, they realize we are part of that plan. We have a special charge on us, not just to follow Jesus, but to move this Jesus revolution forward. And let me say to you today, church, you too have that charge. If you are a follower of Jesus, then you are in his church and you are commissioned, you are commanded to make disciples and to carry out the teachings and the power of Jesus Christ. They realized that, I think, for the very first time. And it had just gotten real to them. They had been captured by the most powerful people, the people that they just saw crucify Jesus. They knew it was going to get tough, and they looked at him and said, stop it or something worse is going to happen to you. And they left and prayed this prayer. Now, they're going to ask God for something specific. They're going to ask God for one request. They're going to seek God for one specific thing in just a moment. Does anyone know what it is? What would you ask for? Where would you be in this situation if this was you? If you were Peter, if you were John, if you were one of the early church, what would you pray for? God, keep us safe. Help us not to get caught. Build our numbers so that we can take them out. What would you pray for? Boggles my mind. This is what they prayed for. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak with, speak your word with great boldness. Now, don't you think they got the boldness thing down? Who here would say they are more bold than Peter or John in this? Who here has ever been captured by your faith, taken in by the police and said, either change or something worse is going to happen to you? I think they got this down, right? But they realize something bigger is happening behind them, that this history is changing around them, that the God who created everything has put all everything into Jesus, and Jesus has died and risen again, and Jesus has put in everything into their life. And in doing that, they say, God, we need more boldness. And then they ask God to do something amazing. And it happens, guys. I can read the rest of the story, but it happens. But this is what he says. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. Do amazing things. Do things that we can't even imagine. Do wonders. When's the last time you've seen a wonder? Not a wonder woman, a wonder. Or maybe it is a woman. <laughs> When's the last time you've seen a miracle? Something that you've looked at and said, I, I don't know what happened. That's, I have no way to explain that. Science can't explain that. Textbooks can't explain that. Authorities can't explain that. That's a miracle. 
When's the last time you've seen a healing? When's the last time you've seen doctors say, this is what's going to happen, but God says, no, this happens. And are you, as a follower of Jesus Christ, willing to pray for that? So let me give you some brief notes on how to pray big, bold prayers, okay? Big, bold prayers. We're not talking about little prayers. I'm not talking about the prayer that you pray every day around the, around the table at, at dinner time. You know that prayer, this one? Dear Lord Jesus, please bless this food. How many people have ever gotten sick on your dinner food? Okay. Maybe it happens, all right? Now, I went to Togo, visit Dose, and I prayed that prayer when I was serious about that prayer because some of the things I'd eaten I'd never eaten before, and I was really worried about my nice American McDonald's digestive system <laughs> ingesting things that were far beyond the greatness of what I could enjoy. So I prayed, and God answered. But in our life, I think that's covered. That's not the prayer I'm talking how many people pray, dear Lord Jesus, give me traveling mercies? Do you know what the statistics are about how many people die in a car crash when they go to Florida? It's, you're pretty much safe. I mean, you can pray for it. That's a great thing to pray for. I'm pray, but you're going to make it, okay? You're probably going to make it. That's not the kind of prayers I'm talking about. I'm talking about impossible, bold prayers that you can't do yourself. Let me give you some examples of how this may play out in your life. To be bold with your prayers. To be, move your prayers beyond what the simple, normal little prayers that you can pray. And it comes around this concept. Can we go to the next one? They, they prayed with boldness. Keep going. The church prayed for more boldness. Keep going. And the next one. This is, this is the point. This is, how, this is why God responds to prayer. God honors big, bold prayers because big, bold prayers honor God. If I, if I pray for traveling mercies to Florida, and as long as I can drive safe under the speed limit and keep my seatbelt on, chances are I'm going to make it. I'm going to be able to answer that prayer on my own. But if I pray for something that I have no control over, who gets the glory there? God gets all the glory. Do you see the power of this? And do you know, honestly, really speaking, even though the whole culture we're in tells us differently, you were not created for you. You were not created to bring glory to your own life. You are not created to succeed. You are not created to fail based upon you. You were created to bring honor to God. You were created to give Him glory. You were created with a hole inside you that only Jesus can fill. And when he fills that hole, he doesn't just keep you from drowning. He makes you live life to the full. When's the last time you prayed for something that scared you? When's the last time you prayed for something totally impossible? When I was a pastor in Indianapolis, no one came to our Christmas Eve service. And I thought that would be a great prayer if I actually could get some people to come to Christmas Eve. I was joking. I didn't pray that. I should have. And I had this idea. It was the Shane idea. 
but it turned up into a God idea. I even have one of those. I have a lot of good ideas, but every once in a while I get a God idea. And, and, and I believe this was a God idea. I had this idea of doing something amazing for someone else. We called it our big give on Christmas Eve. In the first year, we collected uh, over $4,000, and we gave two plane tickets to two college-aged brother and sister whose dad was dying of cancer, and they were out of state. And when they went back to school, we equipped them both with a, um, with a plane ticket, said, whenever you want to come home, it's on us to see your dad. The next year, I'm thinking, how do we top that? So I started to do, to do some research, started to ask some of our partners. We talked to our local school, and they said, listen, we have a family, a family that's in terrible need. They don't, they're, they're, they don't have any money. They don't have any job. They don't have a car. I don't even think they have a washer and dryer in their house to do laundry. So I went over to their house, and sure enough, they had five kids, wonderful, glorious kids, and, and, and they're all over the house, and they're climbing all over me, the cutest things in the world. They had no Christmas decorations. They had no Christmas presents. They had no hope for Christmas. They had their clothes in trash bags, dirty clothes in trash bags back in there because they knew I was coming over, so they got all the dirty clothes and hid them from me. They didn't have a washer or dryer to wash them. They didn't have a job. They didn't have a car to get them to a job. And I walk away thinking from that, my heart just broken, saying, what can we do? I know that if I really asked a lot of people in my church, I know I could get some money and give them Christmas. And I know if I asked some people and pushed even harder, I might be able to get them a washer and dryer. But I remember sitting there on, on, at, our, at our kitchen table feeling like, man, I have too much and they have nothing. And I remember asking, asking uh, Mary, what, what do you think we could do? And Mary said, well, what do they need? And I said, what they need is a minivan. That's what they need. And in that moment, G, I believe Mary said, well, why don't we pray that they get a minivan? And so we did that. We prayed. We prayed that they would get a minivan for Christmas. Now, I didn't have an extra minivan lying around. I didn't know anyone that did. And all we knew is that we wanted to give them something that they could need. And so we prayed that big, bold prayer, dear Lord Jesus, what they need is a minivan. Jesus, do you have one of those lying around? So we prayed. Long story short, Christmas Eve arrives. They come up. They're our special guests. We give them presents. We give them candy. We give them all the great things they need for a great Christmas. We wheel in down the aisle a washer and dryer with a big red bow. Tears are flowing down their eyes. They don't realize that in the next moment after the washer and dryer get there, I look to them and I say, we have one more gift for you. Here's the keys to your minivan. And I'm not saying that happens because God likes to give minivans to people who need them. I'm saying God did that because we were bold enough to ask. We were bold enough to say, God, can you help us and use us? Now let me tell you, that family, we lost connection with them. I don't know what happened to the minivan, and I don't really care. Because I know my heart changed when the moment I saw God do something that I could not do myself. You want some of that? You want some of that? Put another verse up. Put that last verse up. Let's go to the, the Ephesians verse. 
Now Paul was someone who understood prayer and the power of prayer, not just in the Judaism system, but he understood the power of praying for people in his church. And he went into one of the most beautiful prayers in in the verses right before this in chapter 3 as he's praying for his church at Ephesus. He prays that they understand his love, God's love, and and, and Jesus' love for them and how wide he wants them to know it fully in their heart and all the rest of this. And then he says this, which just blows my mind. He He ends his prayer with this. I end my prayer with, dear Lord Jesus, in your name, amen. And this is how he ends his prayer, and I'm blown away. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. The power that's at work within where? Us, you, me, that power. Jesus' power is alive in us to do immeasurably more than we can think or imagine. Here's the catch, though. I would really, 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 and I know I can't do it on my own, I would really, really, really like a Corvette. That would be awesome, God. I can't get a Corvette on my own. It would be impossible, right? It would be more than I can think or imagine. Could you do that? No. Here's the catch. What? To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Then he says, Amen. But when we pray, we give God the glory. We pray for things that bring God glory. And if God can get glory by a Corvette, then pray for a Corvette. I'm not going to, because it's probably not going to happen for me. I'm not going to I'm not going to pray for a Corvette because I'm not going to give God the glory. I know. I'm going to love it too much. But what's your thing that you need to pray for? Maybe it's, maybe it's praying for the homeless. Maybe it's praying for one family that you know is homeless. Maybe it's praying for you to finally beat that addiction that's just been dogging you year in and year out. Maybe it's praying for that prodigal, that son or daughter or family member to come home to Jesus. Maybe it's time to make that big, bold prayer, knowing that God would get all the glory. Maybe it's praying for a marriage you know that is absolutely crumbling. Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's time to say, God, will you do a miracle in my relationships? Maybe it's for healing for someone that you know is suffering beyond repair. I don't know what it is. But let me give you a chance to pray that prayer before we go today. One, pick one big, bold prayer. We have some overachievers, some, some type one personalities. I know you want to do like, you want to make a list. Okay, don't make a list. One. You hear me? How many? One. Good, good. You guys know, wow, know what this means. One prayer. One big, bold prayer. Make sure it's something that God can receive the glory for that's tied to your heart and your story. Why? Because you're going to keep praying it. You're going to keep praying it. Do you know that sometimes God doesn't answer prayers? Well, He answers them. It's just not the way we want it. Sometimes He says yes. Sometimes He says no. Sometimes He says wait. But all of those answers still require you to keep praying. Keep praying. One thing. What is it? Got it in your brain? 
What's the, what's the thing that you can't do yourself, the impossible, that you want God to do? What's the one thing? What's, what's the thing that's tied to your heart and your story that's going to bring God the glory? My dad was a pastor, and my dad loved to do visual aids. I think that's where I get it from, so you can blame him. And he used to say the things that, one of those things was I, we, we pray for things that we can't do, but Jesus can. And so he made a Jesus can. He was corny, okay? I'm sorry. Um, and I wonder, even though it's kind of corny, I know, if maybe there's something that you can't do, but you really hope Jesus can. Will. Would. So, all of you, on your way in, and there's some in your pews, you have those little great connection cards. And if you turn those over on the back side, it says, My Prayer Request. I want you guys to use those tonight. I want you to use those, and if you want to put your name on it, put your name on it. I don't think you need to be ashamed of this. And I want you guys to write down what your one big, bold, scary prayer is. And if we could pray with you, we would be honored to join you in your story. Utterly honored to pray with you. As God does only what Jesus can. So these are on the way out. Fill out your card and drop them in the can on the way out. These will be prayed for often. If you want to join us in praying for these, I know that you would be encouraged to do that. But pray. 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 My favorite verse in the whole entire Bible is 1 Thessalonians 5.7. And the reason I like it is twofold. One, it's short. Pray continuously. And two, is it reminds me that we never stop praying. So yeah, we got a week of prayer. You better be praying this week. But guess what? Next week is still the week of prayer. And next month is still the week of prayer. This is a year of prayer. Because we are people of prayer. And prayer makes the difference. Because God, the God, the Jesus that I serve, hears my prayers. He hears your prayers. Will you be bold enough to pray it? And ask God, ask Jesus to do what he can do. Father, we love you and we thank you. Father, I pray that you would give us boldness just like the early church, just like Peter and John. We're just ordinary people that's been with Jesus. And we need your boldness when it comes to praying. I pray for the individual that is scared, so unbelievably scared to even utter the prayer because it's so impossible. It's so out of this world, but they just can't get it out of their brain. I pray for that individual today that you would give them boldness and peace to pray the big, bold prayer. Father, as a church, we will celebrate and give you the glory for all the miracles you do. We'll give you the glory for all the answers you offer. We'll give you the glory because you are our God. You are the God who answers prayer. You're the God who loves us. In Jesus' name.